We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host. And joining me, as always, is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. For those who don't know, I am the healthier of the two of us today. <laughs> I feel like usually I'm the sick one, but today it is Steven. It's been a long day for him. It's been a normal day for me. I'm not sick. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bug going around uh, my work and Brooke's work, and uh, I was you know, spam in the emergency, hopefully, hoping to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it did not work. So I uh, had to take the uh, students up to UC Merced today for a campus tour. And I came home and I was just like, it just hit me all at once. So uh, apologies for the, the nasally voice today, but we're going to push through and we're going to have a great time uh, previewing this Chargers and Cowboys game. We did a bit of it from a coaching standpoint, uh, talking about the Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy stuff specifically and asking uh, Brad Spielberger some of his thoughts about the game on the Chargers feed yesterday. So this will be coming out on Thursday. So we're not going to have a ton of injury stuff, um, obviously, because we're, we're trying this new dynamic of, of recording this on Wednesday night. So uh, this week in particular, the team hasn't even practiced yet. So first injury report will be will be coming out after this episode gets published. Um, but all things kind of trending positive. We'll talk about it briefly. Um, Austin Eckler. Derwin James, Alohi Gilman, all back at practice this week. Um, the one guy who was not back at practice on Tuesday was Joey Wilson with the toe injury slash hamstring. Um, but obviously, great news that Austin Eckler in particular is back for this matchup as we've kind of highlighted our concerns about the Cowboys' pass rush. Yeah, huge for this team. And again, I I understand why the Chargers aren't paying him, but man, Austin Eckler can do a lot for this team. And Moving forward, I am concerned about him not being around, but that's another conversation. Him being back is huge. I mean, I think we talked about um, on our last on the last show with the Chargers, 20 pressures allowed Austin Eckler's entire career, 13 allowed by Spiller and Kelly the last three weeks. I mean, it's just night and day difference. I'm really curious what the Chargers end up doing because we've only seen one game with Austin Eckler, and that was a run-heavy approach kind of game. Yeah. Started early in the season, and the Chargers still need to figure out their passing attack. But things were so different then. I don't think they lean into that as much uh, this time, even if Eckler is back in some capacity. But him being back helps tremendously. They're already so good in the red zone without him. 
Hidden being back, especially if Donald Parham is kind of 50-50, will be huge mm-hmm. for the team. Yeah, I think, it, you know, we haven't really seen the run game get going. They had some good moments against um, the Raiders with Joshua Kelly this past game, but um, they need to get that that run game going. You know, Daniel Popper did a great job highlighting the importance of the run game and the, and the necessities there. They're in an okay standing because week one was like so great. Um, but you know, I, I, I can't imagine that Kellen Moore is, is happy with the one, with the performances against the, uh, from the run game over the last three games. So like you said, I, I don't think this is going to be the game where you're going to be establishing the run. You know, the Cowboys do play with heavier boxes. Traditionally, um, J Ron curse, who, who I'm a big fan of as, as a player is, is almost always down in the box. So, you know, you watch the Cowboys defense on tape and there's eight men in the box, like pretty consistently they'll they'll drop him to to you know coverage situations deep but for the most part he's he's right up there right next to the linebackers now you potentially don't have lane vanderesh they're already down uh you know the rookie linebacker that they drafted earlier micah parsons is potentially playing linebacker so javon curse becomes that much more of an important player in this one and i do expect the, the cowboys to kind of low to the box with with a different kind of style but the same principles mm. will will reign true i think yeah, absolutely. And Austin Eckler's presence. I think with Joshua Kelly, I never felt that you were throwing him the football. And with Isaiah Spiller, I feel like maybe you would try to pass on those downs. Either you're yeah. passing to him or to somebody else. With Austin Eckler, it's it's either one. And so I think that that's going to be huge for them. Curse looked good against the 49ers as a blitzer. Um, I think that's the best they got. Like That's how they'll manufacture pressures if they can outside mm-hmm. of what they have in their defensive line. So yeah, big one there. Yeah. All right, Tyler, let's uh, let's dive in a little bit more. Um, we'll we'll start with kind of our storylines, and then we'll we'll break down the the Cowboys specifically as we do every single game. But I want to like highlight this from a broad perspective first. Um, what's kind of your your main storyline that you're looking for uh, on Monday night against the Cowboys? As much as I'd love to lean into the trenches, because I think that is the thing that I'll be watching more than anything else. I do think the number one storyline will be jaw taylor and cd lamb or however they decide to allocate defensive backs to stopping cd lamb in the slot i do feel comfortable with michael davis and asante samuel jr on the outside and however they mix and match match with gallup and cooks but cd lamb is their best receiver and jaw taylor is no offense the worst of the three corners certainly certainly the most unproven Um, i thought against the raiders watching him back I thought it was a better game than I gave him credit for. So I think that watching him again, kind of keying in on him a bit more, he played fairly well. Um, didn't seem to be too much of a problem. And I think this kind of this kind of fits him, the offense that he's about to face. We talked about this last uh, show, where there's not a whole lot going over John Taylor's head. There's not a lot yeah. of trickery. There's not a lot of motion. It's very much so, here it is, defend the curl, defend the you know stick, whatever. It's not a particularly complex, dynamic, and over-your-head kind of offense. And I think that really suits someone like Jaw Taylor very well. It is still CeeDee Lamb. He is their number one receiver, very clearly the number one receiver. So it'll be quite a challenge. So maybe it's Jaw Taylor, maybe it's Jerwin James, maybe it's whoever, move Asante, mm-hmm. whatever. You got plenty of options. But I think that's my main storyline. How do they go about taking away really the only thing that's been working so far for this Dallas offense? Yeah, you know, to your point, uh, CeeDee Lamb only has uh, 11 catches on the year that have gone more than 10 yards. It's been a lot of of short wow. routes for CD Lamb uh, so far this year, you know, smaller sample size, right? Maybe that changes. Maybe that this is the game where they try and and make that change. It doesn't sound like it if you listen to the stuff coming <laughs> out of Dallas right now. 
Um, but CD's a great player. And I think eventually, like, the Cowboys will have to kind of evaluate things and realize that, like, what they're doing now is not working. And specifically for CD Lamb, what they're doing is not working. So um, he's a slot receiver. You know, the last time the Chargers and Cowboys played each other, it was a lot of Derwin James. Um, Chris Harris was injured that game. So they didn't really have, like, a backup that they trusted. And so, you know, they trusted more Nas and, and Alohi going to play safety. And you, you had Derwin James lining up like exclusively in the slot. So I am curious to see if they mix that up a little bit. We've seen them do that against like DeAndre Hopkins with, with Derwin before. So I, I think this is a mm. great game to have Derwin back. And, and I yes. hope that we do get to see some of that, you know, because Derwin is just that kind of kind of player. But I think that's a great start because CD is their best player by far uh, from a skill position standpoint on offense and they haven't really gotten him going and i would expect them to try and make that a priority this week yeah this is and really just extending beyond that with everything we've heard even michael davis again has come out and said look man it it was tough like i didn't know if i was starting we were fighting kind of for the same spot and him and jc jackson now that's gone and so i think i'm very very curious and starting this game would be huge if michael davis can get back to being who he was last year when he was the guy, like he was in and out. He started because JC was hurt, but they benched JC and he looked fine, but he really wasn't him, his best performance of his entire career until he was just the guy. And now he is. So I, I hope that's, I hope that's better for him overall on this whole secondary. Yeah. We got a little uh, peak of Gladriel down there. <laughs> Yo, go Chargers, go Chargers. Woo-hoo. That's so funny. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest storylines is just going to be what this offense looks like after the bye. Because I think the bye week is, mm-hmm. is such an important, you know, inflection point for these teams, you know, and especially without Mike Williams. And like, how does this receiving core in particular really start to establish their own identity? Because I think like you lose Mike Williams and it's so hard, like on a short notice to plan for that kind of injury. You know, I, I think that's a very underrated you know, aspect of why the Raiders game was was kind of clunky a little bit on offense. It's just like you you lose that guy right away and you have to try and adjust it. We, we've seen that in the past when Keenan's been hurt, when Eckler's been hurt. Um, so what does this receiver room really look like? How do they really start to, you know, establish their own identity with Kellen Moore kind of leading the charge? And so I, I am curious to see how do they take attention away from Keenan Allen? How do they free up Joshua Palmer vertically, which has been, uh, one of his strongest assets right now. There's been some contested catch situations that um, I, I think even he would admit that he should have come down with. But for the most part, like vertically is what jo- what Joshua Palmer is doing best right now. And then obviously you have Quentin Johnson. I want to. I don't want to like revisit the Quentin Johnson stuff too much right now. Um, but they have to get him going. Like they they don't have a choice. And you know, ideally, you know, you have this kind of game where presumably the Cowboys should be able to keep up with you. You're going to have to be in a positive game script. What does that look like for this team? Because against the Raiders, they really tried to run the football and then they couldn't. And that's really kind of why there, there weren't a ton of, you know, throws down the stretch for Justin Herbert. So this week you should be in a more positive game script. What kind of adjustments are we seeing from Kellen Moore regarding this, this receiving core, I think is, is the big storyline for me that I'm paying attention to. Yeah, I think if you just take everything that Josh Palmer has been successful with this season, it is very much so that downfield passing attack. And, and no, he's not Mike Williams, but he can do some things and has come up with some very clutch catches for this team. You know what Keenan Allen can do. So then, you know, maybe you thought originally that Quentin Johnson would be that kind of downfield guy for you. And you know, we've heard anything from like 
he's this X receiver for them, or maybe he's Jalen Guyton with a lot more tools or something. I don't know. But where do you fit him in now? Because I, I think you can continue to lean into what Josh Palmer's been doing. Keep Keenan Allen being Keenan Allen, moving around, whatever. What do you do with Quentin Johnston? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Like, I get why in the first game, especially without Corey Lindsley, you know, so much is changing in that particular game. You still don't have Austin Eckler. So much is out. So you maybe don't have everything you wanted together for Quentin Johnston. But now you go to the drawing board and say, okay, we are now a an offense where Quentin Johnston is playing wide receiver three the entire rest of the way. So how do we evolve and change our offense to be better to get him more involved? So yeah, that's that's a huge storyline, absolutely. Yeah, and I, like I, I know there's been a lot of frustration about the lack of of Quentin Johnson, but you know we talked to Brad about it. You know he he is kind of a, a raw prospect. It's going to take him a little bit to get going a little bit, and uh, hopefully we see him have a, a big spot. I'm sure he, being from Texas, has probably circled this matchup as one mm. to. Uh, yeah. potentially shine on. I imagine he has some family coming out for this game, Monday Night Football. So I wouldn't be surprised if Quentin Johnson has, you know, a couple big plays for this team and, and and provides a big spark that we've kind of been waiting for. And then that's kind of a momentum builder going forward. I hope that's the case because, you know, this team needs that X factor, big play potential that he brings. And, you know, right now it's like Joshua Palmer and Keenan Allen can do it, but it should be Quentin Johnson's specialty, just like it was for for Mike Williams. Yeah, get him the football. Make these new linebackers, the guys that you didn't project to be out there at this point, make them go tackle him. Make them go find him. Make them go chase him or whatever. Use them. Yeah. I, I I can't wait. I, I do think, well, I feel like we said this last week, but I do think this is the week because they had a whole bye, you know, mm -hmm. that they'll continue to use him. Um, how did D, this is not the same player, but how did Debo look against the Cowboys? What was his usage? last week you remember so i guess the cowboys debo was used a lot out of the backfield and um, mm. they were trying to really isolate him against the linebackers which spoiler alert for one of my for my x factor um <laughs> but I, I don't think that's necessarily you know quentin i i think yeah. obviously with austin eckler coming back that's stuff that he can do um you know i guess i can just get into it but darius davis is, is my x factor this week um in part because of what Debo Samuel was able to do against the Dallas Cowboys. And they would do this thing, which Kyle Shanahan and all these guys are so great at like motion and isolating his matchups. And they would have Debo line up in the backfield and basically just like side shuffle like four or five times. And, and he's almost like in the slot, but in the backfield. And then he runs a Texas route or a choice route or wheel route or whatever against the linebacker and, and, and converts it. But it's not just that because Rondell Moore for the Cardinals was doing a lot of the same stuff that we've seen from Darius Davis already, you know, line up in the backfield, pitch it to him, line up in the backfield motion. you know, they, they would use Rondell Moore as kind of the cheat motion. And then he would run a, a curl route or a post route or whatever the case may be. So I, I think there is a, a way for Darius Davis to also make a big impact in this game because we've seen guys of his kind of archetype make a really strong impact against the Cowboys because their linebackers just, can't cover like they just signed Rashawn Evans off the street to potentially start in this game and that's just kind of a recipe for disaster from a linebacker standpoint um so I, I think there is a route where Darius Davis also has uh, has a couple x-factor moments against the Raiders obviously on the first drive he had that 50 yard run which was a beautiful design from Kellen Moore and so I, I think it's it's easy for me to see the path where Darius Davis making an impact in this game because Rondell Moore and Debo Samuel like they're already having a similar kind of role that, that Kellen Moore mm -hmm. is using Darius Davis like. And so, um, you know, Darius Davis is an X factor, I think, was was a pretty easy one for me to find when I was watching the tape because 
I think they're the way that they've been using him just makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I, I love the creativity that they've been using him with. You know, Kellen Moore deserves a lot of credit for, you know, finding this kind of role for Darius Davis. Like, if you would have told me two months ago, hey, Darius Davis is going to take some backfield snaps, I'd be like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it's been working, and I've loved watching it. So, you know, kudos to Kellen Moore that way, and, I, and, and Darius Davis as well for executing it. Yeah, it's funny. You have the two TCU guys, Kamonte Turpin for the Cowboys. He's been used mm. sort of similar ways, five catches, 51 yards. Um, just saw that touchdown, I think, against the 49ers, six carries for 66 yards. Then Davis, four catches for 24 yards, four rushes for 61 yards. Yeah, you know, Two similar size guys from TCU. Um, so that's kind of like their own X factor as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm very curious what happens with Darius Davis moving forward because it just would I want him to take more snaps and get more targets than Quentin Johnson? Not necessarily, but then you watch what he does with the football and there's just nobody else on the roster who's going to do that. Yeah. And they're not going to lean into him for eight targets, 10 carries or anything like that. But when they use him, it's just, it's almost perfect. Every time they use him, it's just like, you want a spark? Here we go. I mean, we'll start the game. Here's 50 something yards. You know, we need a quick little screen to him. Here's 12 yards. What they're doing with him is, is really fantastic. And they're maximizing the value of him. I mean, we were sort of raised an eyebrow when they, they took him so early because he was kind of purely a returner who maybe gets like one thing per game and that's it. But they're really like maximizing it. Like it shows what they were thinking. Like, no, it's not just a return. This guy's a weapon. So let's yeah. use a fourth round pick on him. So it's very much so justified so far. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give your X factor real quick and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive into just so we finish off the, the X factor segment. <laughs> sure. It's not even going to be a player. We discussed this a little bit last episode with the, on the chargers channel, but it is the hyper aggressiveness and finishing of the chargers versus yeah. the conservativeness and the kind of passiveness of the Cowboys. Brandon Staley, the most, you know, go for it guy so far in terms of, the math on the masses go for it. He's gone for it the most. Mike McCarthy, second least, second fewest, excuse me, in terms of going for it. This is a team in the Chargers that is much better in the second half. This is a team that is much better in the red zone. The Cowboys, very conservative, both in terms of the head coach going for it and the scheme. They don't do well in the red zone and they are not as strong in the fourth quarter. I mean, Colin Coward just talked about it recently how Doc Prescott, like his worst quarter is the fourth quarter. And they're not scoring in the red zone. Of course, the Chargers have Kellen Moore. What are they doing? They're better in the second half. And they are scoring in the red zone. And they are more aggressive. And so I am curious, you know, for better or worse, how much of an advantage does that give the Chargers in this game? Or how much of a disadvantage does that give the Cowboys because they are so conservative? And I think you're going to find with the Chargers so prepared, so healthy, and with Justin Herbert, and with this offense continuing to ascend versus the static offense, who's kind of, they're all kind of banged up coming off of a game. They're not really sure. You know, Jerry Jones wants to throw the tight ends more. CeeDee Lamb has no idea what is going on in offense. Mike McCarthy says they're going to complement the defense. Like, I just see yeah. these two different teams, two different styles and ideologies going two different directions. And I'm curious how much of a gap the Chargers can, you know, create between themselves and the Cowboys because they are so stylistically different. Now, granted, it could bite them in the butt, but I think that, based on what we've seen and the, the way they're trending, I feel the Chargers are going to put themselves in better positions because of their aggressiveness and finishing in the red zone with Donald Parham, with Austin Eckler, et cetera. So it, it's not quite like a one-person X factor, but I'm yeah. curious how these these ideologies and these styles differ and how that affects the game on Monday. 
Yeah, well, you know, we heard in the all-in stuff, you know, like the, this this team, this mantra, like the whole thing was like uh, the first all-in episode, you know, start fast and finish, like the, the, the kind of principles that you're talking about. Um, Arjun pointed this out on, on Twitter yesterday, I think. Um, the Chargers are one of three teams that have scored the first touchdown of the game in every game that they've played. And so the Chargers mm-hmm. have done a much better job starting hot this year. I don't think that can continue. Uh, you know, that seems like a pretty <laughs> volatile stat. Um, but also, I think, like, the third quarter thing, like, last year was such a negative, such a struggle for this team. And I don't want to say it's, like, a, a strength because I feel like the first and the fourth quarter are generally kind of the, the two quarters that the offense has played best in. Um, but it's certainly not a weakness anymore. And so, you know, this this kind of game where you are trying to steal some more possessions can really pay dividends for you because of what you're saying. You know, the Cowboys are mm-hmm. such a game script dependent team. And if you can go for it on fourth down on your third drive of the game and then finish with the fo- finish with the ball in the first half, steal that possession back, it's, it's a huge advantage this game because the Cowboys are not going to be aggressive. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy has never been aggressive. And, you know, I, I think that is a great point by you for for this this matchup, what to watch so far. Yes, yeah, so I just out of curiosity, the Chargers are fifth in EPA per play in the third quarter. The Cowboys mm-hmm. are 15th. For the fourth quarter, if I could take two seconds to hit update on this one, the Chargers, I don't know if they're better. Okay, the, the Chargers fourth? are eight, 18th in the fourth quarter. Okay. Um, but, the, but the Cowboys are 25th. Okay. So third quarter, good. First quarter, good <laughs> for the Chargers. That's that's good. We'll take it. They're better across all quarters, at least. So there's that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, Tyler, uh, let's dive into these Cowboys. We'll break down the coaching staff, the roster, some of these key decisions as we do every single week um, for our audio audience. Uh, Tyler has prepared a great, you know, old Western style uh, slideshow this week. So I always appreciate the creativity uh, of these slideshows every single week. I, I I tried to think of any joke I could use. They were going to be a lot more get me fired. Um, but I went with a nice, safe, you know, Western Cowboys thing here. And so we'll get into it. There we go. There we go. Um, all right. Obviously, the coaching staff, Mike McCarthy is the head coach. Uh, not a big point scoring guy, apparently. Um, offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, who used to be with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, from a offensive standpoint there, the Cowboys are 11th in passing EPA and 14th in rushing EPA per play. That is something that I've been a little bit surprised watching them is just how much more inefficient the run game has been. Um, you know, obviously uh, you lose Ezekiel Elliott, but he wasn't exactly kind of the efficient guy. Um, we've we talked a lot about like the passing stuff, right? But what have you made of, of the way that the Cowboys have been running the football so far this year? It's really a surprise because Pollard, and again, this is with Kellen Moore as the coordinator, but he was always the guy that was more efficient and Zeke was starting to kind of fade away. So you want to lean forward and go forward with this guy in Pollard who was always explosive and had great numbers and the stats look good. And then you look at it now with, you know, for all, it seems like a healthy offensive line for most of the season, except for the Cardinals game. And, you know, you've got the tight ends you want and all the same scheme. You, in theory, have the receivers that you want and they're worse. Like they do, they don't look great. I believe they're exactly four yards of carry um, in mm-hmm. terms of the, like the eight different directions they can run. Um, I think only two of them are over four yards a carry, and it's all by Zach Martin, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, which, <laughs> sure, of course. Not a surprise, right? If I had to put money on it, I would have guessed that too. But 
they're just not quite the same. And I wonder if it's kind of the same issues the Chargers were experiencing last year, where if you continue to play short and you're throwing short over and over again, and you don't have, well, the Chargers didn't have a deep threat. The Cowboys do, they're just not using him. Um, and they're not getting anything out of him. If you continue yeah. to just play short, everything becomes so condensed. So I wonder if Tony Pollard is just running into everybody because, well, we're either going to play here because you're running it or you're going to throw it short so we're going to stay here anyway. There's no threat of you pushing it down the field. dot is way down. You're way more conservative. So I wonder, I don't know what the stack man, you know, eight man in the box sort of situation is for the Cowboys this year. But even with the receivers all healthy, Dak being there, the line being solid, having Pollard and good tight ends by all accounts, um, way less efficient. And that's definitely a surprise. Yeah, just looking at his uh, run splits, you know, PFF has him at uh, 29 of his uh, 81 carries are zone runs. 51 of them are power or gap runs, hmm. which traditionally has been kind of a 50-50 split for him. You know, it was 100 zone, 103 gap power in 2022. It was 69 and 56 in uh, 2021. So it looks like the, the Cowboys are doing more of a downhill physical approach at least that's the goal um i don't know how well that suits tony pollard's skill set i feel like i'd rather have him like out more in space um so that's an interesting one too but i think some of this just could be you know coming off of the injury as well you like and i think like the yards after contact per attempt is, is a key thing here because you know he was traditionally around 3.6 ish yards after contact per attempt uh, over the you know the last three seasons with Kellen Moore, this year he's at two point seven five, so he's almost a full yard less uh, than what he's been yards after contact per attempt. So maybe some of that is the injury, um, you know. But it, it just is it, it is an interesting trend because the passing game is so much more, you know, uh, so much less explosive, and then the run game is is less efficient. But it's still like a pretty good offense. Like they're still you know a top twelve ish offense, I would say. Um, but we're talking about them like they're a terrible unit. So it's, it's again, it very similar vibes to like what the Chargers were over the last two years under Joe Lombardi. Just like there's just, just like you want more out of this unit. And I think that's, that's true of the rushing attack too. It is really interesting because you have like, I know four yards per carry isn't great, but it is still four yards per carry. Like that's not an awful garbage number. You'll, you'll take four yards per carry. Technically that is the goal to at least get that. Right. You know, and look, Dak, you know, the numbers are good. The drop back is good. The line blocks. Everyone's healthy. And the receivers are healthy, I should say. Yeah, it is just strange to see that this offense, everything makes sense. Everything on paper makes sense. And they're efficient. And yet we're talking about them like they're kind of a bad offense almost. And they're <laughs> not. But I don't know. I, I think it's just because we've watched Joe Lombardi over the years. We've seen what it's like and, and kind of the shortcomings of it. And, and again, watching the Cowboys play and just seeing exactly what we had seen for two years, except all their players are healthy. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel better about this matchup. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into some of that later. But uh, defensively, still Dan Quinn. Um, the passing EPA per play is fourth right now. Rushing is, is ninth. Um, even after getting the, the rails blown off of them against the 49ers, <laughs> I think they're still fifth in total EPA per play. So it is still, as of now, a really great defense, you know, top five in the NFL defensively is, is extremely difficult to do these days. Um, the injuries here are so interesting to me because you are already down Trayvon Diggs, Deron Bland, I don't think is going to be around at least for a couple weeks based off of his injury. Uh, Leighton Vander, as we talked about the linebackers, 
you know, their plan right now, it's, it sounds like is like Micah Parsons and Rashawn Evans at linebacker. And, you know, you do a little bit more different things on the edge. So the defensive line is still like really, really good for me. And I think that can mm -hmm. kind of carry them, but certainly without Diggs and Leighton Van Der Esch and Dron Bland, their key corners and linebackers, I think it's, it's probably not a top five unit, but I still think the defense overall is going to be really, really good for this Cowboys team, you know, over the stretch of the whole season. Yeah, Diggs being out has, has changed things quite a bit. I mean, they were, I think, fourth in EPA per play, or maybe they still are. Um, pretty solid offense, or excuse me, defense overall. So they're fourth in EPA per play. But if you just filter out, and, and now it's very small sample size, but the three games that they play with Diggs out, they're they're 21st in EPA per play as a defense, which mm -hmm. does include the beatdown by the 49ers. But yeah. you also have a game like against the Cardinals. So and again, 21st. It's not quite the same. Now, will the Chargers be the 49ers? Will they put up as many points? Will they be as efficient? No, I don't think so. But there's definitely a couple of cracks in this defense right now. And I think losing Diggs, losing Leighton Van Der Esch, your big blitzer, your, your linebacker, losing Overshone, or never having Overshone, Michael Parsons being moved around. Um, I know they lost another corner, but it wasn't one of their main starters. Um, it's just like slowly eating away at this defense. And this defense seems to be very beaten up. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, I guess I should have said this. Turpin had an injury as well. I think he should be, he's going to be sidelined. So mm. I talked about him as a potential X factor, but I think he's going to be out for a few weeks. Yeah. So they, they got banged. Like we were sort of, in a way, hoping that the Cowboys would be a bit exhausted um, after that 49ers game. And it really seems like they are. And again, it's just yeah. more things leaning in the Chargers' favor heading into this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, the Chargers are certainly the healthier team this week, which is is pretty crazy to, to say out loud. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's let's get into some of these uh, free agency additions and losses. The notable additions: uh, offensive tackle Chuma Idoga is he started a little bit here and there. He's their swing tackle. Um, is Ronald Jones on the roster? <laughs> oh, is he not? I just hey. I looked at Spotrack and just they they have like almost no additions, notable additions. So I was looking for anything. Maybe he's not. Let me look. Is that a completely different team? I feel like he like got suspended or something. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he hasn't logged a single snap for them. I, I think he's just, I think he's on the team but suspended. Uh, I apologize if that's incorrect, but I feel like that's correct. Um, cool. But yeah, not not a ton for them. The big one is obviously Brandon Cooks, and yeah. like trading for him was supposed to be like the big, you know, thing for them and, and opening up stuff. And like Tyler has talked about. You know, he's on pace for like 240 yards right now. So um, the notable losses, you know, when you have such an expensive top end roster, you know, it's it, this is what more of you're talking about. Connor, Mc, Connor McGovern, um, who I think is playing with the Bills now, uh, was such a solid backup for them, would probably be starting right now because uh, Tyler Biadach, another one of those key players who's injured. Uh, is probably not going to play this week. You know, instead they're starting an, an undrafted free agent center, which is, is certainly something to talk about. Um, Dalton Schultz leaves, and you know you have Jake Ferguson, and you draft Luke Schoonmaker, and the tight end room has not really panned out the way that they would hope. Um, Zeke Elliott leaves, Noah Brown leaves, and then of course Kellen Moore. So um, still a really a great roster, Tyler. But what do you kind of make of the the you know the roster uh, in, in regards to this the veterans that they added and lost yeah i really thought that even with some of these losses that this is a team that was just ready to go i mean you add brandon cooks come on like oh my gosh you already a solid offense it didn't work out in the postseason 
go add Brandon Cooks. I mean, geez, what can you do with this offense? You've got so many different pieces you can use. The line's great. Dak's solid. And yeah, it just it just has not panned out for them. I really only look at this as like this team should have been ready to go. And even though, you know, I thought the Eagles would be winning the division, like we were arguing, is this the second best team in the NFC? Is this the best team in the NFC? Because they're so darn talented on defense and on offense. Yeah. And I'm not saying that these losses and these additions are the reason that they're not completely all in and, you know, undefeated right now like the other teams, but they just have not been able to put it together. And I think having Cooks not pan out so far is a reason they may have lost. I don't know about the last game, but certainly maybe get the game against the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, should definitely point out Stefan Gilmore too as a as a notable addition. Um, oh, I bombed there. this! Holy cow! That's okay. It's all good. <laughs> uh, Stefan Gilmore is their cornerback one at this point. You trade for him, expecting him to be your cornerback two, opposite of Trayvon Diggs, but uh, obviously that's not coming to fruition either. So, um, you know, this is why you don't trust Spotrac. I think. <laughs> Yeah, the, if anything else, this is an endorsement for Over the Cap. <laughs> not a sponsor, but... Yeah, not a sponsor, but they're their best. All right, uh, draft editions. You know, uh, such an interesting group, a, a group that I think we really liked at the time. Um, Mozzie Smith, the, the defensive lineman from Michigan, and then they get Luke Schoonmaker also from Michigan. Um, you know, two players who are playing a, a decent amount, but not like core starters for them just yet. Um, Demarion Overshone hasn't played at all. Uh, Viliami Fahoko Jr. also not playing out very much. Um, Asim Richards, Eric Scott Jr. not playing a whole lot. Deuce Vaughn is a key special teamer and potentially a key running back at this point. Like I don't, I don't know where they're at after Tony Pollard than Jalen Brooks. So uh, lots of complaining about Quentin Johnston. I think you guys could re- remember that it can always be worse from a rookie standpoint. And uh, I think this group I like. But uh, certainly, have not gotten the chance to to show much just yet. Yeah, not just yet. I, the, the whole Mozzie Smith—that's the big one that I thought was like, oh goodness gracious, you had two hundred pressures last yeah. season, and now you're adding Mozzie Smith to your line. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Mozzie Smith has been bad. Um, certainly not the case, but it's it's a learning curve, of course, and that's going to take some time. And he's not even the feature on their defensive line as is. Right. It's not like he's not even the feature at defensive tackle on their line. They just have yeah. a lot of guys. So that's that's fine. Um, Schoonmaker has been mostly a blocker. I believe he has one catch for one yard, although I think he has like eight targets. So that for whatever reason, they just have not connected. Not that I've been noticing or, or watching when this happens, but yeah, one catch, one yard. So yes, it could be worse. Um, you know, the Chargers have two leads to a below two in the second round, and they have a tight end. God bless him, but one catch for one yard. Although he's more of a blocker and he's also 25 years old. Bummer about Overshone. I didn't like him in the draft process. Seemed like there were positive things. Um, and honestly, the rest of the group, I did not watch. So not a whole lot going on here. And, and maybe again, that is partially why the Cowboys just aren't like that next tier forward because they're not getting that like, again, like, like Thule. They're not getting some surplus multiplier value out of some of these day two and day three guys. Yeah, right now, Jonathan Hankins is kind of their big nose tackle and he's playing great. Um, but I think, you know, the Cowboys probably would like to see Mozzie take on a bigger role. And he certainly could, you know, still could down the stretch of the season. But, um, yeah, not a, not a great rookie class as of yet for the Cowboys. Nope. <clears throat> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, before we finish out the show today, have to uh, pay the bills here as about our sponsors. First and foremost is Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. And we encourage you to make Little Caesars part of your game day experience. We all know how synonymous football and pizza are together, pizza wings, whatever the case may be. Um, you can order online during the pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs uh, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave, and you will win. Uh, speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices of Little Caesars, the official sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers during your game day viewing experience. And speaking of winning, my mom keeps using prize picks and she continues to <laughs> be rolling and, and getting everything perfectly. Um, she keeps betting on the Chiefs to score and the Chargers to do well. And it's paying off, you know, betting on Herbert and Mahomes to get the yards and such is working out. Um, prize picks. It's a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, it's really that simple. You get to watch your progress in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. Uh, they offer frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers, one of them being like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using them so far. It is a ton of fun. This week, I've got Jalen Hurts less then 221.5 passing yards facing the Jets. And Justin Herbert, cover your ears, Chargers fans, less than 283.5 passing yards. That's make a your big selections number. Good. It is. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com slash guilty and use guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. So yeah, talking about that real quick, 283.5 passing yards. That's a big number. That's a big number. And so I felt that, look, I don't want to, you know, root against Herbert here. But with Eckler back and with this defense in front of you, like, that's a lot. That is a lot. And I wouldn't put it past Herbert, of course. But you had hit about 285 against this defense with Eckler back. I don't know. It does feel like a game where he could probably scramble Sam a little bit. Like we saw against the Raiders, too. You know, he has the finger issue. So I, I don't I don't hate that. I think, you know feels like a 270 kind of game so i i could certainly see that number being less which means he's whatever which i means he's gonna go for 350 or whatever which congratulations awesome for a 600 yard game yep <laughs> still crazy to me he has the one 400 yard game and that was against the vikings two weeks ago or three weeks ago <laughs> so strange um 
but yeah, Prize Picks is cool. You can also do college football, NBA stuff. Uh, it, it's a great app. You know, you guys can uh, definitely go check it out, and it does really help support the show as well. Um, last one here, Ticketmaster. Uh, obviously, it's more fun to be there live and in person for football. Um, and use you can use Ticketmaster as the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat, including their interactive seat map, which gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. I had a little bit of uh, an experience with this with my brother because I was helping my brother find the good seats, which are the shaded seats on the, the end zone that you guys sit in, and the Rams have, it, have the numbers flipped. So I told my brother to look oh. <laughs> at the 220s section because that's where you guys are at, 230s. And those are kind of like the better seats, in my opinion. And the Rams have them flipped. And so he was buying seats on the opposite side. And, and I told him to use the little ticket master viewpoint and make sure that he was getting the right seats. And uh, we got him covered and he had a great time watching the Eagles beat the Rams. So this is Chargers podcast, but have to give a shout out to the, that specific feature because it was relevant to uh, helping my brother find out the, the good seats. So. Um, again, Ticketmaster has you covered for Chargers tickets. Um, find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chargers. Yeah, that's also got you covered for concerts. My last two concerts are Metallica and Pink. If you're wondering if I have a, a range of interests in <laughs> music, yeah, Metallica and Pink. And I would have seen Pink a second time over Metallica um, a second wow. time. She was that great, of course, with Pat Benatar and then Alanis Morissette. Great concert. Went with my mom. Had a blast. I wore pink. When I got there, I was like the only person wearing pink. And I felt <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> Everyone at Metallica got the assignment. We all wore black. We all showed up. No one said a thing. We all wore black. We all showed up. Everyone wore black. I'm going to a concert literally called Pink. And I wear pink. And I walk up and I go, ah, crap. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> That's surprising. I would have thought that would would have been more of a thing for a, an artist no. literally named Pink, but I guess not. No, nope. All right, Tyler. Uh, let's finish off this preview here. Uh, diving into the key matchup of the game. Um, I'll, I'll go first here. I'm very curious to see. You know, first of all, we don't know what Joey Bosa's status is, but um, there was a lot of dialogue about offensive tackle play when Terrence Steele signed his big contract extension about really where did he stand in kind of the offensive tackle hierarchy. And and he's been a solid run blocker, first and foremost. I think that is his strength. Um, kind of similar to similar player to Trey Pipkins, honestly, um, in in terms of like the, the potential he gives you as a run blocker and what he can give you as a pass protector. Um, however, this past week against the 49ers, again, it is the 49ers. It is mostly Nick Bosa. Uh, he allowed eight pressures last game, which I think was – kind of some uh, a bit of a red flag uh, for the Dallas Cowboys offense and something that certainly made an impact on their overall game plan. Um, the Chargers do not have Nick Bosa. Um, I totally recognize that, but we've been very positive about what they have in Tuli Tui Polotu. And hopefully Joey Bosa can come back and give you something this week. Um, it does feel like, you know, we'll see what happens with the center position. Tyler Biedach, like I mentioned, is injured. But it does feel like a very similar offensive line as the Chargers where you have like this stud left tackle. You have really good guard play. You have the backup center. So the right tackle is kind of like the weak point of your offensive line. And that's not a slight necessarily because I think, you know, Terrence Steele and Trey Pickpins are both both off, both off solid offensive tackles. Um, but how they go about creating pressure on Dak Prescott is such an important thing to me this week because his trigger is arguably the quickest in the NFL right now. You know, we talked about this a little bit 
on the Chargers show. He's outside of the in the 49ers game. He was averaging like 2.3 seconds per, you know, per throw, which is an insanely vast number. So they the Chargers have to find a creative way to create pressure. And I think Terrence Steele is kind of the matchup that you want to attack. I don't expect the Cowboys to double team Tuli Tui Peloto as much as the Raiders did. Um, you know, they they're more of like a one-on-one island kind of player kind of team because they have the players. Um, so how do the Chargers create pressure from Dak Prescott? To me, it feels like attacking Terrence Steele is kind of the way that you want to do that. And obviously having Joey Bosa back in this game, even if it's a limited fashion, uh, would be huge for that. So uh, Terrence Steele, I think point of emphasis for me this week against the Cowboys to create some pressure. Yeah, we'll definitely see whatever you know, Joey can bring when he's back. I am fascinated by, I feel like since the first game when you had your, your full unit here and you had everybody out there, you've learned so much about other guys. I'm curious how much they trust other guys to either hold up on the back end or just rush like Thule. Like you didn't know about Thule yeah. in week one when everybody's healthy. Now you know a lot more about him. So what do you do when Joe, Joey Boso is back? Um, you did, you had Derwin James, of course, in week one, but you didn't know that like, I don't know, Raheem Lane and Dean Marlowe could actually hold up. You know, not, not that the Raiders were chucking it down the field like right. the Dolphins were by any means, but like they held up. And if you look at that, you feel like, okay, maybe I can trust Derwin James a bit more. Let's line him, him up on that side. How do they generate that pressure? Who do they send? Kenneth Murray has been great as a blitzer as well. That's a great one. Um, I'll just take the opposite then. You already, already mentioned them, but Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins versus these two guys, Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. You got two guys, fourth in, in pass rush win rate and fifth in pass rush win rate. Those guys are going to be playing up against you know, your two tackles this week. Um, I think Rashawn Slater has all the tools, the technique, the athleticism, you name it, to do what he needs to do against Micah Parsons. Like, I, I do think, while I don't think he knows, it's not going to blank him. It's not going to be a zero by any means. But I think he can get it done in that regard. To me, the, the main focus and the, maybe the concern here is Trey Pipkins. Not even in like, a, oh my gosh, it could be 10 pressures and two sacks kind of day. But if it were going to be any game, it might be this one. Not because... You know, Max Crosby couldn't do that the previous week, but because they have Parsons. And if it's not Parsons, then it's Lawrence. So you're basically, it's relentless the entire game. It's going to suck. And can he hold up or can the Chargers design things to get things out quick um, or take pressures off of those guys? I hope Donald Parham is back in full. I think that would help tremendously with someone like Trey Pipkins. Obviously, Eckler being back will help tremendously on that side. Um, so so how, do, how do they hold up? This is a huge test. It's, it's Parsons and, and Slater. Has got to be maybe my favorite matchup of the year for in terms of the best on best they could get. Um, so how do they show up? How do they hold up? We'll see. Yeah, in terms of like you know get your popcorn ready matchups, that's definitely the one. Um, I, I think we both agree that Rashawn Slater is is one of if not the best young left tackles in the league. Um, you know, ESPN has his win rate ridiculously low. I, I don't understand that one at all. Um, but he's got a really high pass blocking efficiency rating right now. Um, coming off a bit of a, a down game for him, how dare he allow three pressures in a game? That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see how he bounces back from his worst game of his career. Um, but you mentioned the Trey Pipkins thing, I think is interesting because the Chargers, like the Cowboys, are not sending help very often to either of their tackles. You know, they're allowing both of those guys to play on an island pretty frequently. And this feels like a game that that might have to change. If Micah Parsons really is playing a little bit more off the ball, I think it makes sense to, hey, we're just going to double team um, 
Demarcus Lawrence, and we're going to make everybody else try and beat us. They have some other key pieces, right? Like Osa Odegazua, Dorrance Armstrong. These are good players too. But if Micah's off the ball, like I'm sending help to, to Demarcus Lawrence as much as I can, not because I don't trust Trey Pipkins, but because then Rashawn Slater is on an island in a very positive matchup and can easily handle his business. So uh, I am curious to see just kind of like the protection plan of how this comes to fruition. Micah Parsons playing potentially more linebackers is such a huge piece to this puzzle because if he's playing back there, I can't imagine it would be like full off off ball linebacker. But if he's 50%, if he's, you know, 60% edge rusher as opposed to 100%, it helps the Chargers tremendously, obviously, because he's one of the best pass rushers on the planet. Um, so the attention that Demarcus Lawrence gets, like you mentioned, I think is a really key point here. What is the rationale for Parsons playing more linebacker? Like, I know he would be good at it but like what what is the rationale for that because i don't do they have a third edge rusher they feel great about like i don't so dorns armstrong is kind of like a hybrid player he's kind of like an arden key type where he's inside outside uh -huh. i think they have dante dante fowler still as, as kind of that that third true edge rusher um so I think it's part out of necessity of your, like you don't trust your linebacker core and Micah Parsons has done that in the past. Um, that's how he came into the league. It was kind of like that hybrid player. Um, and then also trusting, you know, the, the pass rushing depth more than you trust the linebacker depth. Like I can kind of understand it, but to me, like Micah Parsons is one of the best pass rushers, you know, one of the freakiest individuals in the, in the planet. And I think like you'd rather have him rushing the quarterback than playing linebacker or in, you know, he can still make plays, obviously, but yeah. his best impact is going to be at rushing the passer. Mm -hmm. yeah, I forgot followers on the team. So I think Dorrance Armstrong is, it, it ranks pretty highly in pass rush run rate too, but like I said, he's kind of more inside-outside type. Mm -hmm. um, so again, like if, whenever Micah Parsons goes off the ball, double-team Demarcus Lawrence. You know, if he, Micah Parsons is on, then I think you can double-team Micah Parsons or whatever the case may be, but um, th this feels like a game where the Chargers are going to have to send more help than they have in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Tyler, we'll wrap it up here with uh, some bold predictions for Monday Night Football. Uh, what's your your hottest or boldest take about Monday Night Football? My boldest take? Um, <laughs> see, it's a bold take, so I feel like I don't have to stand by it because I don't know if I believe this. It just feels like the Chargers are... They, they kind of do it for a Kellen Moore sort of game, mm. kind of like the Herbert on primetime sort of game. And again, the conservative nature of the Cowboys, which really just seems to feed into how the Chargers can play defense. And a very nice comfort zone in their wheelhouse sort of for them. I will say the Chargers win by double digits. Is that Ooh, bold? I don't know. That's definitely bold. I mean, they're underdogs right now, so I think that's definitely bold. Oh, underdogs, huh? Okay, okay. It's All like right. two and a half points. It's not like anything crazy, but yeah, I'll say I'll say a double digit win, which is insane because we were here on Saturday going, yeah, I don't think they're gonna win. I'm not gonna pick them. <laughs> but then you like, it's weird. Like then you watch them because yeah. the numbers definitely say one thing, and they are still good. They're even maybe even great. But then watching them was just different. I don't even mean just the 49ers game. Just in general, you're like, you you see where the Chargers have an edge, but maybe they don't. They'll have their edge too, of course, but I think it's going to be close, and I think the Chargers pull away in that second half. The injuries are certainly part of this because, like, they're down their best corner and their third best corner, their best linebacker. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of attrition going on on that defense. And I think that was like my main concern was like, you know, heading into the season, I was like, okay, against the Cowboys, like projecting out here, right? Like the defense is going to have to really step up because the offense could be in for a bit of a slog against the Cowboys defense. Now you have all these injuries. I think you feel better about what the offense can do. And then we've talked about this, like watching the Cowboys offense. I'm I'm not intimidated by this offense at all. I think if Kellen Moore were still in Dallas, I would probably feel, a, you know, much more in the opposite direction here. So we've talked about this off the air. Like I, I, I honestly feel pretty confident about this game after watching the tape, which is not what I felt like <laughs> heading in on Saturday. And some of that is like what happened on on Sunday against the uh, against the 49ers. But honestly, like even in their games against like the Jets and their card in the Cardinals game, like I was just not I didn't come away like, wow, they're doing some great things on offense. Like they look like a great unit. Like it's just not the case right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, watching the tape, I think is, you know, it's such an important piece here because it really has made me feel that much more confident about this game. Yeah, creative kills, and and the Chargers certainly, I, I think, have that, or certainly more over the Cowboys. And and now looking at things differently, like I'm now much more worried about that that Lions game because of what Ben Johnson will do. Like, what is he going to bring? Yes. I have no idea. There's so much unknown, and yet Panay Sewell and all these great things he can do. Uh, Cowboys, it's like I I know what they're going to get, yeah. and I think that's that's a really really big benefit for the Chargers and Brandon Staley and these DBs. Like, yeah, we we know what's coming. You know, for better or worse, maybe they'll out execute us and I'm sure they'll score points. It's not like they're going to shut them out. But again, yeah, I just, it's so strange because five days ago, you and I had a completely different conversation about this. <laughs> so <game>. different. <laughs> yeah. But we like, you know, allow yourself to either be wrong or discover more or deep dive. Right. That's why we do these deep, deep dives. We kind of just look at these teams from afar. And I can't say I know a ton about the Cowboys off the top of my head. But the more you look, the more you see, the more you uncover, the better you feel about it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, all right. My bold prediction here. Uh, you mentioned primetime Herbert. That's a very well-documented thing at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know the official numbers, but I feel like they're good. An underrated primetime star for the Chargers has been Derwin James. And if you think about the best moments of Derwin James's career, I think most of them have come in primetime. You know, the Steelers mm-hmm. game when he was a yep. rookie, obviously, comes to mind. Um, the Raiders game on Monday Night Football two years ago, we had the interception on Darren Waller. Um the Chiefs game where he had that amazing sack on Patrick Mahomes uh, in SoFi Stadium last year before he got injured. Some of his best moments have come in primetime. And I think we see him off of this injury, off of the bye week. I think we see a rejuvenated Derwin James. And I think we see the best game of his season. My bold prediction here is that Derwin James gets a sack and an interception. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we see a huge Derwin James game this week and makes a big, big, big difference for this Chargers team. Yeah, he's someone, you know, Dak won't give you a ton of opportunities, but I think there will be one or two desperate throws where you just like, hey, I got to get it to Brandon Cooks down here or something. And I, I just feel like every time there's the German James is an interception, that the quarterback just underestimates the fact that he can get there or keep up and run routes yep. with Darren Waller or George Kittle or whoever it is. Like, I feel like they always underestimated him in that regard. So, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I would definitely lean yes on the sack. For sure. Interception, you know, we'll see. Dak won't give you a ton of opportunities, but yeah, yeah. I think there'll be a couple. I've been an underrated uh, missing piece for the Chargers defense while he's been injured, too, is, is just the lack of of sack production from non-defensive linemen. So I'm excited to see Derwin James come back and and what Brandon State can, can dial up for him as a pass rusher. Yeah. All right, Tyler, any uh, other final thoughts before we head out tonight? 
No, I just can't wait for this injury report. I reserve the right to change everything I just said. Because the injury <laughs> report comes out and the Chargers are all hurt. Um, and I feel very differently about the game. But uh, it seems like everything's trending positive, man. I feel good. And hopefully you feel better. Yes, I appreciate that. I uh, I am taking the day off tomorrow. So I'm excited to uh, sleep in and, and not go to work. So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I, I feel like this was a really good discussion on several fronts. Um, you know, some of our, our best work, I think, as, as a podcasting duo over this week, uh, preparing for this game. Um, you know, it's just been a game that the two of us have had circled for ever since the schedule came out, really, uh, of, of this matchup. So I'm excited to uh, get to it. I'm excited to uh, continue talking about it. Um, we, will be, we will be going live for our usual Saturday Q&A, so stay tuned for that one. And then Monday night, right after the game, we'll be going live as well. So um, we're doing this new rotation where we kind of, you know, just published this episode. I think it'll be better for us as well. Um, and then we will uh, we'll join you guys live on Saturdays and then after the game. So um, appreciate the support as always. Make sure like the like the like the video, subscribe, turn those notifications on, all that good stuff. If you are listening to this, make sure to leave us a rating and review. We always appreciate that positive feedback over there as well. Um, that's gonna do it for us. We'll see you guys next time. As always, hold up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.